Today's episode is brought to you by Anchor Podcasts. They're our new partner here at the Mac Report, and their mission is to democratize audio. Anchor believed everyone should be able to have their voice heard, regardless of background or experience level. And if you've ever tried a podcast before, you know all the logistical barriers that can stand in your way. At Anchor, they aim to remove every single one of those barriers. Their goal is to make podcasting easy and fun without sacrificing the quality that every podcaster deserves. It's so easy with Anchor Podcasts, you can even create a podcast from your phone. To learn more, visit anchor.fm today. I guess the first one's the, the most important one. How you doing? How you feeling? Uh, <laughs> actually pretty good. Uh, it seems that uh, the cough just kind of like a head cold right now. And um, the cough is actually good because it's getting out of me right now. So feeling much better um, as is Jill. So I think making really good progress right now. Good. Uh, Thank you. From a, I guess from a hockey standpoint, uh, what did, what were your impressions? What did you see watching those first two games on video? Obviously we started really poorly at Providence. Um, and I know it sounds like a, and I think you might've said it already, Mike, it, it sounds like an excuse, but you know, the game started like a team who had played a, a competitive game and a team that hadn't. Um, and I was just disappointed that we weren't, that we didn't win the first shift, uh, at least in protecting our own house, but got us in a bad place. We had an easy opportunity to let that game get away from us when it was four to one. Um, I thought the guys buckled in and played really well down the stretch last 30 minutes of that game. Um, and I felt <clears throat> that we, if we could have made it four to three, um, I think it would have been a great ending. Uh, we obviously couldn't get over that hump, but I, I was really pleased with the way we played the last 35, 40 minutes of Friday, uh, Thursday. And then on Saturday, uh, kind of the flip, like I thought the first 15 minutes of the game, I was maybe watching the best hockey we've played since I've been here. You know, the pace that we played at, the way we transitioned, uh, how hard we attacked that blue line. Um, I thought all four lines were going. Um, then, you know, and this happens a lot. You know, you, it came kind of easy in that first 15 minutes. And then um, they got a little bit of momentum. We started turning pucks over. And I thought for the next 25 minutes, it was it was a, you know, 50-50 game, mainly because we were playing so casual with the puck. Uh, in the last 20 minutes, I thought we buttoned in and, and finished the game like we should have. Uh, I saw Mike Macknick has hand raised. Mike, do you have a question? Yes. So uh, I'm sure coming out of the Providence game, one of the things you wanted to improve was the, uh, the special teams. And it seemed like uh, while there weren't a lot of chances on Saturday night that both of those areas were were better, including that power play goal late in the uh, in the period in the second that kind of seemed to, uh, you know, they, they had a little bit of momentum there and that kind of turned the tide for you guys and carried over into the third. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You talk about power play goals or, or PK kills. It's not always how many. It's it's often the timing of it, and that power play goal came at the exact time that we needed it. Um, I actually liked our power play against Providence. I thought we moved it. I thought we showed good possession and good attack. We didn't get inside, but I thought for a team running their first power plays, I actually was pleased with it. Uh, I thought we saw that come to fruition on uh, on Saturday against Sacred Heart. Uh, the PK is still a work in progress. It always is for every team, and I, I think we're continuing to grow in it. Um, but we've been a good PK team in the past, and I, I think we'll be very good moving forward. We just need to um, you know, find our pairs, find our chemistry on the PK, just as important as it is on the power play, uh, and then you know move forward with that. Question from Mike McMahon. 
What do you think it says about Max to be named a captain? I mean, obviously he's one of the older guys on the team, but he's only was only here for nine games last year, really. And uh, I know I, I, we talked to him Saturday after the game, and, and he talked about what an honor it was to for those guys to to accept him so quickly. But for a guy like that to come in and an older guy, but still pretty new uh, to to the program, to be voted a captain. What, what does that tell you, just kind of about him and, and how he's been embraced by the by the locker room? You know, Max is. Uh he's a, he is a special kid. Like he, he really is. He's uh, you know, I think that he epitomizes when you say, if you want to be respected, show respect first, he came to our room uh, when he got here in January, uh, he was a good player. He was obviously going to be a good addition on the rank, uh, assumed nothing, took nothing for granted, went about business every single day as a great teammate. Uh, and as he started to play well, we made that way. Um, and I think that for the, his teammates to say, this is a guy we want to follow is pretty special about who he is, but I says, I think it also says a lot about our team. You know, they recognize that we have an elite leader in the room and it doesn't matter how long he's been here. Um, let's, let's move him into that position. Let's follow him and let's see if we can take our team to, to a special place with him. Uh, so I, I really, I love what it says about Max. I really like what it says about our room as well. Uh, question from John Leahy. Oh, sorry. That's from Mike Mactic. Sorry. Yeah, uh, for just following up on uh, on Max, it seems like, you know, his his ability to win faceoffs. And I remember, like, you know, uh, with uh, guys like Ludwig Larson, you know, you, you, the guy that you knew you could put on the ice when you needed to win a draw, and they, he, he, he had a pretty good chance of winning it. It seems like that's certainly the case with Max. But do you see that carrying over in terms of, you know, giving you guys momentum that when he's out, when his line's out there, there when he's out there taking the draw, that it kind of gives you a little momentum right off the draw? Well, particularly on the on the topic we talked about earlier, special teams, you know, our, our power play when he's on the ice, we usually start with the puck. Um, and that's, I bet if you looked at nationally, the average on that is 50% or lower because the, the PK guys dig in so hard uh, and they usually get a little bit of the, of the uh, maybe a little assist from the officiating, not being quite as hard on them and the lines as they would be five on five. Um, but Max wins almost every face off in that situation. We start with it. So it's a huge advantage in that situation obviously helps us a lot with uh, PK when he's on the ice. Um, but the other thing that he does is I think Liam Walsh uh, became a very good face-off guy last year, a lot through uh, watching and working with Max. And uh, if we can continue to grow, you know, Matty Capone, you know, he, he's had a good two games to start out as a true freshman. He needs a lot of help at the dot. Max is a guy that can really help him, you know, for the rest of his career at the dot. So um, no, he's a special face-off player, and it's all about details. He gets there first. He gets his head over it. He's hard to get any leverage on, um, and he he wills himself to win it. And I, I appreciate the fact that you have a player on your team that appreciates how important those 60 times hour a game or 70 times hour a game. A lot of teams face that casually, and Max never does. I'll take a question from John. Yeah, Scott, uh, you had a couple of defensemen who picked up their first collegiate points uh, over the weekend, uh, Arvidsson on uh, Thursday and then Zivlak on Saturday. Just wanted if you could comment uh, on your thoughts on the uh, freshman play uh, over the weekend, and particularly those two guys. You know, uh, the, the thing about those two players, you know, those both their games were the first time they've actually really competed on uh, an NHL size rink, and I thought they both did really well. You know, things happen a lot faster um, you know, I think Adam is, uh, can be an elite player with the puck. Uh, he's going to continue to develop defensively. 
Uh, you know, you don't see the urgency in Sweden um, when the puck's outside the dots. And it's a long way away. Um, and I think what Adam learned that very first shift at Providence was there's urgency no matter where the puck is in the defensive zone. Um, and I thought Ivan, who's a very good defender, um, moves pucks surprisingly well for a big, long body with a long stick. Um, I think they both showed that they're going to be very good players down the road. Um, the one player we didn't mention was Michael Brown. He played both nights. Um, you know, there's not much I can say about Brownie. He just, he just brings it every day. Um, he's just getting better. He's an elite athlete that's becoming a really good hockey player. Um, he's really well cared about by his teammates because he's so humble. Um, so I think all three of those freshman defensemen are going to be really good players for us. We're excited about all of them. Uh, I obviously only saw <coughs> Matty Capone as a forward. Uh, but, you know, Matt, a true freshman played at Providence first game. I thought he showed pretty well. Um, and I thought against Sacred Heart, he, like the rest of our team, got loose at times, which is natural for a true freshman. Uh, but overall, I think he showed glimpses of what he could become for us. Um, and we'll see Devlin O'Brien and Mark Hillier here in the not-too-distant future. I, I really think this freshman class has a chance to be special. A question from Mike McMahon. Uh, we, we kind of saw Ben Brar come on at the end of last year. Uh, he had two points this weekend. One had the power play goal. It almost seemed like it was a very kind of quiet two points. It was weird. You know, with so much else going on with, with the freshman defenseman playing well and, and Declan had three points, you know, that those two points from Brock feel like they kind of get lost. But we see offensive guys take a big jump their junior year and kind of take off. It feels like to me anyway, through a couple of games, that he could be a guy that does that this year. What have you seen from him? And, and I guess where have you seen him improve the most from where he was as a freshman, I guess, to where he is now? You know, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought his name up. I, I told someone yesterday, I think he's the most underrated free agent out there um, in our league that I see from, from a next level perspective. He just does everything pretty well. Like he skates well. What he's really improved since he's been here is his first step. You know, he uh, lacked a little bit of initial quickness when he got here. Uh, I think he's improved that tremendously well. If you watch Ben's game, you'll see him just make the right simple play over and over and over again. Uh, even his goal, he's standing at the net front right where he's supposed to be, screens the goalie, then he spins. You know, we always talk to the guys, screen, spin, screen, spin when the puck goes by you. And that's exactly what he did. Um, and so he's, I think he's a player who has a chance to be very, very good for for a long time to come. I just, I love his game. I love how uh, ready he is. He kills penalties for us. He's on the power play, obviously. He's a great facilitator when he plays with Max and Alex. Um, you know, he's, he's a very good player and I'm excited about his future. A uh, question from John. Yeah, Scott, you've got Colgate coming up uh, two games this weekend. I wondered if you have a chance to look at them and what are your thoughts on them as you approach the weekend? Uh, Colgate's got a good team. I, I really like, obviously they got the big sophomore goalie who gets, um, you know, got a lot of credit for the numbers of their games at Vermont as far as saves. Watching those games, they didn't feel like they were outshot like that. Um, if you just look at the box score, you'd think they got outplayed and the goalie won the games. But that's not what it looked like on video. I thought Colgate took it to them at times. Uh, they got two lines. Um, one has Alex Young on it, very good player. Uh, another one, I think it's Jeff Stewart, the center on what would be one of their top two lines. Similar to us, I think they have two lines that can really score. Um, they have energy, uh, certainly on their fourth line. Uh, with Mitten and a couple of those guys can fly and get around the rank and create energy. So I think they're they're going to be an interesting opponent for us. I think we're similar. They they break the puck out really well. They're not overly big on the back end, but they do skate well. 
Um, the goaltender obviously has been good. Uh, and I think that they have two lines that can score, you know, easily on you. So I think it will be a big test. And end of the day, and I've said this to the commissioner when our schedule got changed, we're going to play a three and zero hockey team on the road. And that's a team that feels really good about itself. So I don't care uh, how good or bad they are. That's going to be a really hard out. And they just swept uh, a game on the a weekend on the road. That's incredibly difficult to do uh, anywhere, any place. And the fact they did that at, at uh, Vermont, Vermont's, you know, kind of coming out party, if you will. Um, I give Colgate a lot of credit. They're going to be a dangerous opponent. Uh, any more questions for Scott? Uh, one from John, or sorry, that's Mike again. Sorry. Well, you need a new screen. No, it, it's they're, they're both black and they're right next to each other. It's okay. I know, but well, if you want to get me one. Uh, yeah, Scott, I was wondering, uh, it seemed like things went pretty well <coughs> both Thursday and Saturday. Um, you know, Bob Emery behind the bench. I'm just wondering what was the process uh, involved to it to get, get him to be able to go down and do that? And, you know, did you have to talk to the NCAA or how did that work out? And, and, um, it seems as though, I mean, if you don't want to have to have that situation, but if you do, you couldn't, couldn't find a guy, you know, who's more experienced and, uh, and, and ready for that in that situation. Well, it's, it's uh, I'm glad you brought that up because <coughs> not an easy situation for Bob. <coughs> Sounds like you might be doing it for a while, but that's, uh, you know, uh, but I'm glad, no, because he deserves an enormous amount of credit. Like, you think about it for, for a couple of years here, he got out of uh, being the head coach. He, want, he told me, I want to be super dad. I don't want uh, all the other stuff that goes along with it. Um, but when this happened and I, and it, this was obvious, I wasn't going to be at the games. It just made no sense to me to, to have uh, one of our assistants who were very capable, but have never been a head coach on a bench to take over the bench and have Bob, who's been a head coach for over 30 years, won over 700 hockey games to have him not be the guy running the show. It just didn't make any sense. And so, you know, our staff kind of conferred, um, Josh and Dan agreed and uh, Bob took that role and, and did it seamlessly. And so um, he's, he brought us a lot of things for our team and to step into that position. Uh, I think he was awesome. And I hundred percent confidence he would be, um, Hey, I always wanted to be a division one head coach. And now we got that chance and, and he's one-on-one and, I think I hope he uh, gets in the plus side this weekend. Question from Mike McMahon. I guess that kind of answers my question. My, my question was going to be, what, what's kind of your prognosis for this weekend? Was it unknown, or do you already know whether or not you're going to be able to be back on the bench? No, it's unknown. I, and one of the interesting things, I'm not sure if anyone on this has been through the COVID stuff, but you end up dealing with your uh, board of health in your community. Uh, I have a meeting with the board of health of you know Zoom tomorrow. Um, and see where my status is. Uh, <coughs> and I promise it's, it's a lot better than it sounds. Uh, but the, um, I think there's a chance I could drive on Friday to Colgate. Um, and if, if that were to happen, though, I haven't been with the team at all, you know, and I haven't, this is the first time I've even thought about this. But if that were to happen, certainly Friday, I'd be the eye in the sky. You know, they've got this little thing going here. I don't want to uh, come in and, and, you know, disrupt that, you know, I want to be quite the opposite. So I'd just be an assist. If I get there, if I'm in fortunate enough to be there, I'll just be an assist to, to help the staff try to be successful. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. 
That way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. We use Anchor here for the TMR podcast, and it could not be easier. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike McMahon CHN, and you can follow the site at The Mac Reports. If you're a Facebook user, you can also find us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye.